We have a lot of stuff we need to talk about on today's Locked on Predators podcast. The Nashville Predators have now lost five straight, and they haven't won yet on North American soil. Fans already hitting the panic button. How valid are their concerns? Plus, that's Monday, which means it's time to plus minus. I'll highlight a couple of things that I think did go well for the Nashville Predators this week. That's coming up today on the Locked on Predators podcast. Your Locked On Predators, your daily podcast on the Nashville Predators, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Thank you for making Locked On Predators your first listen of the day every single day. We are your free Nashville Predators podcast that's available on all platforms and on YouTube. I'm Nick Morgan. I'm a writer and editor at onthefourcheck.com. Normally I have a partner in crime, but Anne has the day off. All right, so we have a doozy, a doozy of a show for you today. Uh, there is a lot we need to cover, a lot we need to talk about. Uh, but before we do, let's let's start with something that I think all of us are on the same page on, that all of us can agree on. That is, thank goodness Mark Borowiecki sounds like he's going to be okay. Uh, absolutely scary, scary hit uh, against the Philadelphia Flyers on Saturday. Uh, did not look good at all. Bridgestone Arena was dead silent while he was being stretchered off the ice. But uh, according to the team, Borowiecki is home from the hospital. According to the uh, the press release they put out, no major injuries. Don't know what constitutes a major injury in that case. But uh, from what we hear, Borowiecki is home. Uh, the team said, uh, despite the fact that he is home, uh, that he is going to have to go a lot of further testing uh, before he is cleared to go back on the ice. And I think we all agree uh, that his health comes first. He's been definitely been through a lot uh, over the past handful of seasons. And I think the priority is just him getting in a good place, getting healthy, being there for his family. So, Boro, we want to see you back on the ice soon, but take care of yourself. Number one priority is your health. Uh, so, you know, hopefully we'll see you, but take care of yourself. We're glad you're okay. Could have been much worse. All right. We got that. Let's go to the hockey part of the Nashville Predators, shall we? Because, oh, oh, this season has not gone the way I think any of us wanted to start. Uh, Nashville Predators lose 3-1 to the Philadelphia Flyers on Saturday. Um, You know, they didn't blow a lead. Because they never had a lead, Flyers went up 3 nothing, And it wasn't until a garbage time goal by Matt Duchesne at the end of the Flyers uh, that it looked any sort of threat from the Nashville Predators. Yeah, I mean, the Preds are now 2-4-1. and one. They have five straight losses. They have not won a game on North American soil this year. Haven't won since the Prague game against the San Jose Sharks, who we now know are a pretty bad hockey team. So, yeah, how do you go about breaking this down? And while we do that, I think it's very important to note that we have to enter this, you almost have to, as a more than one thing can be true perspective. Because there's some valid concern 
but also a reason to take a step back. And the big one, and I think we need to get this out of the way right away, we're two weeks into the regular season, people. Two weeks. We have played two weeks of hockey uh, in a regular season that is going to go until late April. Let's 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 pump the brakes. All right. Like we have lots of time to turn this around. The Preds have played seven games this year. They have 75 games left. There's a lot of time. Nobody is going to get fired in the next couple of weeks. Nobody is going to get demoted, lose their job, anything like that. We do not need to tear it all down and rebuild from scratch on a rough seven games into the 75 game season. That being said, you can still have some valid concerns. There is a lot to break down from this. But, and here's one thing I want to tackle. Uh, And this is just the first thing that came to mind. I've seen a lot of stuff about the roster decisions. And, you know, a lot of people mad that Cole Smith is in there. A lot of people mad that Michael McCarron is in there. It's just a flip of Kiefer Sherwood and whoever. Um, And, you know, obviously a lot of that stems from the fact that they wanted to see Phil Tomasino in the NHL this year, kind of in a bigger role. While Phil Tomasino, I think, would have helped, Cole Smith and Michael McCarron and Kiefer Sherwood, whoever you want to pin, they're not the reason the Preds have lost five straight games. I don't think that's where you start with this conversation. Because, hey, look, they're all guys that play 10, 12 minutes a game. And I get it. Phil Tomasino is more talented, has a higher ceiling than arguably all of them. In fact, he scored 32 NHL points as a 20-year-old last year. You would think with another year of maturity, he's going to be a guy that takes an even bigger step. I get that. I get why people are mad about that whole thing. But if you're looking for somebody to pin what's wrong with the Nashville Predators on, don't look at your fourth line. Don't look at Cole Smith. Don't look at Zach Sanford. Don't look at Michael McCarron or whoever. You can't talk about those guys until you fix the rest of the problems on the team. And boy, there are a lot of problems. Like you can't talk about Cole Smith until the forwards, especially that top line, although they did score uh, the other night, until they get going, until they find their groove, because they have been fine to mediocre this season. Let's just get that out of the way. Uh, you can't talk about those guys not giving you depth scoring until the herd line takes off, because that has also been an area of expertise. You can't talk about them making boneheaded plays that cost them games until you fix a couple of the plays we've seen from high-profile players over the past couple of weeks, some absolutely boneheaded plays from really, really high-level Nashville Predators. Um, you know, there was one the other day, like against the Flyers game. Uh, this this didn't lead to a goal. It was right after the Flyers' second goal. Uh, it was like a normal forechecking thing. Uh, there's a flyer coming down the middle of the ice. Tanner Janot steps up, takes a run, tries to make a hit, misses and the flyers have a four on two 
of four on two. But that one play by Tanner Janot trying to step up and make an open ice hit just for giggles led to a four on two. Now, I don't want to single out Tanner Janot because we have seen some bad plays. Uh, you know, that first goal, um, not not a good play by the defense that was on the ice. Um, not great clear. Uh, we have seen everybody from Ryan McDonough to Roman Yossi to Matias Ekholm make some pretty bad defensive lapses this year. Uh, we have seen forwards, everybody from Matt Duchesne, make a couple of absolutely boneheaded penalties. So I don't want to single one person out. I was just using Tanner Janot as an example, but this is something to the type of play that a lot of players have made this year, a lot of key players. And I think that is maybe what's been the biggest concern. I know people are going to talk about Cole Smith being out there. I know people are going to talk about Michael McCarron, Kiefer Sherwood, whoever. Again, I know they're going to be whoever, but they are fourth-line players on a team in which the stars have not shown up. And I think that's the biggest thing, including one in particular I'm going to touch on a little bit more in the plus-minus coming up, but that to me is what you need to fix first is you need to get your big guns going. That is something the Preds haven't done a lot this year. Now the Flyers game, this is, this is going to divide some people. I think that was a step in the right direction. Like that was the most threatening offense I have seen from the Preds this season since the early prog games. I mean, I guess you could count the blue jackets game too, but you're seeing some stuff that takes them in the right direction. The Preds dominated, um, you know, a lot of the game. Yeah, I mean, there's there's a lot to like about what the Nashville Predators did against the Philadelphia Flyers. Of course, the big issue, and we saw this a lot last year, is the Preds would get on a run. They would be really good, buzz around the net, like look really, really good, really solid, have a lot of great scoring chances, and then make one big mistake they would a defensive lapse a turnover something like that and then philadelphia would have a just a monumental good chance it was almost a throwback to do you remember like the some of those games from the 2019 2020 season uh like the tail end of peter laviolette and the the early stages of john hines where uh, you know, the Preds would lose like four to one, four to two, but absolutely like dominate all the advanced stats. It kind of reminded me of that sort of game where the Predators had control for most of the game, just a couldn't score. Thank you to Carter Hart for that because he played the end of his life and B just would make one key mistake. And then that would absolutely flip the momentum and Philly would capitalize and Nashville could not. That was kind of the vibe against the Flyers this weekend. But if you're taking it at face value, you look at how the Predators played, I think that's an improvement. You know, they were disciplined. They put a lot of good stuff on net. Carter Hart just really good. Got the puck into high danger areas. Were solid in the neutral zone. There was a lot to like about how the Predators played against the Flyers. Um, they just they just couldn't get it done. And, um, you know, our friend uh, Eamon Smith and on the forecheck, I think, said it best. He said the Flyers won that game just based purely on vibes. And I think that's a pretty good way to look at it because the Flyers uh, escaped with a win. So I guess to wrap this all up, like we said, 75 games left. 
during the regular season. A lot of things uh, can go right for the Nashville Predators in those 75 games. So, yes, while there have been some concerns to start the season, rightfully so, I do think you have to look at the last two games and be slightly encouraged about the direction the Nashville Predators are going in. And I think we may see a situation like we did last year where the Preds started slow, not their best start, but eventually found their groove over the next several weeks. And I think, I think we saw evidence this week of that happening down the line. Let's hope so, because if the Preds get through October and they're still kind of playing this sort of trend, um, yeah, we're, we're going to have a few different podcasts to get to later on in the year. Uh, lots to talk about today. It's Monday, which means it's plus minus. We'll give pluses to the players we think did good. Minuses to the players are things we think uh, struggled over this past week. That's coming up in just a second. But first, want to mention today's show brought to you by our sponsor, Simply Safe. The numbers don't lie. In the last decade, over 4 million people have chosen Simply Safe home security to protect their home. You don't earn the trust of that many people without doing something right. At Simply Safe, your safety is the only thing that matters. I know because I use Simply Safe in my own home. They protect you with cutting edge security technology powered by 24-7 professional modern agents who always have your back. And that's the number one reason I love Simply Safe because with 24-hour professional monitoring, Simply Safe's agent call you the moment a threat is detected in dispatch police or first responders in an emergency, even if you're not home or can't be reached. I have pets. I leave my dog here 24-7, so I know uh, with Simply Safe, if something happens, they can get uh, help here fast and help my little fur babies. Uh, Simply Safe blankets your home and protection with advanced sensors for every room, window, and door, HD security cameras for inside and outside your home, smarter ways to detect motion that only alert you when a threat is real. You don't need that ring camera going off every time the UPS man drops off a package. They even have hazard sensors that instantly detect fires, floods, and other threats to your home. So they get you the big stuff. They get you when a threat is real. Their monitoring experts use proprietary advanced response technology to visually confirm whether a break-in is real so you can get the highest priority police dispatch. Customize the perfect system for your home in just a few minutes at simplysafe.com slash LockedOnNHL. You can save 20% on your Simply Safe security system when you sign up for an interactive monitoring plan and get your first month free. Visit simplysafe.com slash locked on NHL to learn more. There's no safe like Simply Safe. All right, it's Monday, which means it's time for plus minus. Most of you guys know how this works. We're going to give out pluses to the players or things that we thought went well for the Predators this week. Minuses to things that we want to see improved on. Uh, first plus, somebody who's been a constant plus over the course of the Lockdown Predators, and that is Mikhail Granlund. Uh, for all of these shortcomings for the Preds this year, I absolutely love the way Granny has played. Uh, he has played 20 minutes of average ice time this year, over 20 minutes of average ice time, which is a lot for a Ford 
he is one of those guys that John Hines can throw on in any situation, whether you're up a goal, whether you're down a goal, whether you're power play, whether you're on the penalty kill. Mikhail Granlin is the Swiss Army knife on the National Predators, and he's doing that every single week. Uh, but he is doing it on the score sheet as well, which is a big thing for the Predators this year because not a lot of stars have been able to kind of find the same groove they were in last year. Granlin is the exception. Six assists in the first seven games. Those are all his points. He leads the Nashville Predators in points with that mark. And you watch some of these passes he's making, and it's like Jiminy Christmas. That's really good. That is, you know, elite-level passing from Mikhail Granlund. Uh, you saw it earlier this week. You know, the Philip Forsberg goal against the LA Kings, just a beautiful cross-ice pass. Uh, of course, this, uh, this past week, he set up the only goal of the game. Uh, really good play to Matt Duchesne to get the Predators on the board. Um, yeah, I mean, Mikhail Granlund, it's harder and harder to find adjectives to talk about how much he means for the team. And, you know, for everybody talking about Forsberg and, and his goal scoring total from last year and Matt Duchesne uh, setting the record for forwards in terms of scoring, a lot of people have kind of still underrated Mikhail Granlund and what he means to this team. He is becoming a true top line center in the NHL. And I think that is very, very important is because a lot of people weren't sure where Mikhail Granlund was going to fit in when he came here. A lot of people thought, oh, this is just kind of adding to the Predators depth or just that really good second line guy. Mikhail Granlund is becoming maybe your most trusted forward. And I think that says a lot about the steps he's taken since coming over from Nashville because boy, <laughs> That was a rough start when he came over, but he has done a very good job of reinventing his game, and he has become exactly the piece the Nashville Predators need. And as long as he's playing the way he's playing, I think there are going to be other Nashville Predators that do just fine. All right. Our first minus. I may get some flag for this one. I think we need to give a minus to UC Saros. Just going to let that one marinate for a second. Now, look, I want to make it very clear in absolutely zero way. Am I pinning this entire slow start on UC Saros? Let's make that very clear in no way. In no way am I pinning this entire shenanigan brouhaha quagmire that we're in on UC Saros. But. He's not exactly helping the Preds get out of it. It's, it's, it's hard to talk about because with any goaltender, you know, you don't want to pin it all on them when the rest of the team is not doing well. But what was UC Saros's kind of trademark over the past two years? It was helping the Predators get out of games with points that they had no business getting points out of. We haven't seen that yet this year. We have not seen that same kind of UC Saros this year. Uh, you look at the numbers, uh, 894 save percentage in the six games he's played, uh, 304 goals against average. His high danger save percentage uh, is way down from where it was last year, especially medium, medium danger save percentage, which is like kind of like right outside the slot. Um, that has not been 
a good spot from that this year. Uh, and you kind of saw that against the Flyers, where the Predators were buzzing. They were buzzing. They were buzzing. Carter Hart put on this great performance on the other end. Uh, and then I think the big one was the third goal, the third Flyers goal. Uh, sort of that rip uh, from Joel Farabee on the outside. One that I think you can definitely say UC Saros should have had. He absolutely should have had that one. Second goal, maybe maybe you can kind of say like that's another one Saros should have had. But that third goal for sure is one that you're like, UC Saros has to make that save to keep the Preds in this game. And honestly, probably a year ago, would have made that save. Um, and that's not to say he hasn't done good. He made some really good saves against the Flyers. <laughs> that one where he like dove backward uh, and stopped the puck with his stick right as it was on the goal line, you know, just kind of trickled along the red line in slow motion after that. It was like, ooh, all right, that's going to wind up on some highlight reels. Uh, but that that's kind of the UC Saros thing this year, isn't it? Is he'll make a couple of show-stopping saves like that. Uh, and then follow it up with just, quite frankly, a softy. Um, now, again, there's no reason to panic. There's no reason to be like, oh, God, you know, we need to get Asker off up right away. We gave all this money to Saros, and he's overrated, and blah, 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 blah. Absolutely zero reason that should even be in the conversation. Uh, like we said, 75 games left this regular season, and UC Saros is going to play the bulk of them. So there's plenty of time to turn this around. Plus, let's not forget in, in past years, uh, Saros has kind of been that guy that gets off to slow starts and then slowly finds his confidence as the season goes on. So I think, I think he's going to be okay. Again, I want to put everything out there with I think. All right, let's talk about another plus. And this is an area that I think was a minus earlier this season, I want to give a shout out to the Preds penalty kill uh, because they know we, they have gotten a lot of work this year uh, due to some of the early discipline issues. Discipline issues, which I think have gotten a little bit better the past couple of games, but uh, the Predators have went from kind of bottom of the league in terms of penalty kill now towards the top again. Uh, they have not allowed a power play goal in the past two games. And again, only one of those eight uh, LA Kings power play chances resulted in a goal for them. Uh, so this week, the Preds have killed 12 of the 13 power plays that they have been up against. So, yeah, I think that is a plus. Uh, and look, you know, I, I think there is a lot that goes into that. I think some of the forwards are going to go well. I know I gave, um, I know I kind of came hard on Tanner Janot earlier, but I think he made some really good plays. Uh, shorthanded. I think Cole Smith, when he's out there shorthanded, he looked good. So there's another caveat. Uh, you know, we've already met, mentioned Michael Granlund. Uh, Ryan McDonough, big, big boost uh, to that power or that penalty kill this year as well. So there's a lot of individual players that can go well, but I, I think it's just kind of a well-coached unit. I mean, in some of those power play chances, especially against Philadelphia and Columbus, they just, it, they didn't really look dangerous. And that is because I think the Predators, there's a lot of movement. There's kind of the good mix of pressure, 
but also not breaking her formation. Uh, it was almost impossible to try to get a shot off, you know, kind of inside that danger zone. Uh, the Preds kept everything to the outside, didn't really let the, you know, either the Blue Jackets or the Flyers get in the slot that much. Even against the LA Kings, you know, they didn't really let uh, the, any, the Kings power play get going on any of those, you know, chances they've had even though they did score in one uh, but that was kind of the one exception so you know there, there's a lot to like about the way the Preds penalty kill has played this week and I think that's important because you know you're coming up in a stretch in which you're going to have a lot of big games coming up and a lot of dangerous power plays you got the Blues uh, this Thursday you got Washington coming up this weekend and then you got the Edmonton Oilers so those are three pretty good offenses with uh, oh I don't know some of the best uh, hockey forwards best scores to ever play the game coming up so yeah Preds penalty kill Let's keep it up because we are probably going to need you over the next week or so. All right. Um, another minus and another plus to get to. We're going to get to that in just a second. But first, I feel like y'all need to let off some steam. So what we're going to do is we are going to bring back one of our favorite segments, Hot Take Tuesday. Tomorrow, we're going to do Hot Take Tuesday. We want to hear your hot takes give us what you would like to see from the nashville predators how would you fix the slow start is there a player we haven't talked about that is doing good that you want to highlight uh or do you just have some general questions do you want to get our take on an issue that is something that you can submit to us this is going to be our hot take tuesday you can turn them in you can either comment on the youtube video today you can tweet us at lo underscore predators you can tweet Ann or myself at NK underscore Mama on Ice or at underscore NS Morgan. Just get us your hot takes. We're going to put out a Twitter thread a little bit later. We will go through some of the best ones tomorrow and highlight uh, what we think, whether they're actually hot takes or whether, yeah, what you said makes sense. So we're going to grade those. That's tomorrow on the Locked on Predators podcast. So make sure you get your hot takes in today. All right, let's wrap this up with one more minus and one more plus. Last minus, we just talked about the penalty kill. Let's talk about the power play, shall we? Predators have only converted on two of their power play chances so far this season. They are 30th in the NHL at 6.9%. Not nice. Not nice. Uh, Look, it's... It's weird because in the past, when we've talked about the Preds power play being sort of anemic, you could kind of see it on the ice where it's just like there's no movement. It's uninspired. You can tell exactly what they're going to go to. You know, they always tried to set up that little circle shot, whether it was either P.K. Subban, who, hey, it worked for, or Ryan Ellis and Victor Arvidsson, which it did not work for. But you could always tell what the Predators were trying to do when they were setting up these chances with the man advantage. That's not the issue here. And, you know, you look at how the Preds power play is set up and how they're playing. There's not a lot of difference from last season when the Preds power play was one of the best in the NHL. There's just a lot of sloppiness, I would say. 
Uh, you know, you have all this good movement, you, all this good puck possession, and then, you know, a pass, one more extra pass when, you know, maybe you should shoot it towards that. Um, and that gets broken up or just, you know, kind of a setup that's way off its mark. The good news is that's fixable. Like this isn't a thing in which you have to look at and say, we need to completely redo what this power play looks like. Like we need to tear this down and have like a new philosophy when it comes to having the man advantage. That's not the case. There's a lot of very fixable things about, you know, what's been wrong with the power play. And I think that's a good thing uh, because that's easily fixable. And I don't think you have to do any big philosophical changes to how you're playing. But if you're, you know, for the guys that are on the ice, especially that top unit, because that's been disappointing. That's been a place that I think we all thought was going to get better this year. Um, it just hasn't been there that the chances haven't been there. And it's mainly because the Preds are shooting themselves in the foot when they have the puck, but you know, you're coming up again against some good teams. That power play is going to have to get going like for, for all, I know Carter Hart had a good performance the other night, but you got to find a way to get through and get the puck in the net here. That is, that is, the reason players like Roman Yossi and Philip Forsberg and Matt Duchesne are held in such high regard is because they can find a way to beat good goalies in good penalty killing units. They're going to have to do that over the next little bit. If the Preds want to turn this thing around, the power plays got to get going. All right. Last plus we are optimists. We always got to end on a plus. I wasn't here. When the reverse retros came out, um, I'm sure Ann talked a great deal about him, but giving a plus to the Preds reverse retro. Maybe that's the most controversial thing I've said on this podcast so far. Not using Zaros, the reverse retro. I like them. I, I like them. I really do. And look, you know, I know a lot of people had their hearts set on a Navy jersey. Uh, the Preds even came in with the good old-fashioned troll move and was like, you want a Navy jersey? Well, our our stadium series from last year on sale, if you want to get one. I was like, oh, you woke up and chose violence this morning, Preds admin. I think it's still Sarah Giles, not 100% sure, but either way. You woke up and chose violence. Um, I, I again, I like the reverse retros. Um, I like the mustard cat. The Preds have a color scheme where it's like it's one of those jerseys where you don't really have to fix too much, other than the fact that it weighed like eighty pounds when you put it on. Um, it's it's basically a less busy version of the mustard cat. And look, I think people just you know like to complain about stuff sometimes. Uh, yeah, I, I can't find a nicer way to put it than that, but um, it was one of those things where it's like, hey, Preds wanted Mustard Cat Bat, they brought by Mustard Cat, and it's like, this wasn't what I expected. And it's like, yeah, it's reverse retro. There's a lot of teams that brought back jerseys that weren't what they expected, but that doesn't mean it still doesn't look cool. Um, you know, I love the Mustard Cat logo. I like the random Nashville through the top. Uh, one of my, it's one of the, it's funny because everybody, everybody around the league thought that yeah these these jerseys are terrible these are like the worst third jerseys alternate and then like 20 years later everybody's looking back and it's like oh the mustard cat slaps it absolutely is a banger 
And it's funny. It's the Islanders. Look at the Islanders. They did the same thing. Everybody hated the Gordon's Fisherman guy. Like everybody hated that. That branding lasted for, I, I think, five seasons before they completely scrapped it. And now look, they brought it back. It was like the most demanded jersey. Like the fans wanted the Gordon's Fisherman. Islanders fans wanted that back. And so, yeah, it, it's just funny. Like, like perspective changes over the years. Like it was one of those things like, you know, you know, you, you, you know, like a good way of like explaining it is, you know, you look back in the nineties where there's just like these outrageous jerseys in all the league, you know, that the Raptors and the Vancouver Grizzlies and Orlando magic and just all this busy stuff going on in the NBA. And then, you know, um, and then, you know, everybody goes back to like the classic old school look, like minimalist look. And then all of a sudden, you know, in the past, you know, couple of years, everybody's like bringing back, oh, we got to bring back like that, like the 2000s Raptors with all like the giant Raptor on it. Or we need to bring back the, the Grizzlies logo with the giant Grizzly bear up front. I, I love it. Like, I love how that's kind of been the thing across all sports, not just the NBA or NHL, but they're kind of embracing just the uniqueness of the jerseys. You got to give a shout out to the Arizona Coyotes who went back to the Kachina Coyote look. Kind of that insane thing. It's like, you know what? People kind of made fun of it. You know, everybody kind of wanted a more, you know, traditional hockey look, but we got something cool. Like we got something unique. Let's embrace the uniqueness. And so I love that. I love how the Nashville Predators are going back to kind of the unique, what, what do we call them? It's, his name is Mustard Cat, but like Derp Cat, Dope Cat, something like that. Cat with jaundice eyes. I don't know. I like it. I want to know what you think. Send, send in your thoughts on the jersey in tomorrow's uh, Hot Take Tuesday. We can debate it then, but I like it. I like it. I definitely am probably going to buy one. So, yeah, there's that. There's my jersey take for the day. All right. So let's wrap this up. Uh, again, tomorrow we're going to be doing a Hot Take Tuesday, so be sure you get your hot takes in. Uh, we will grade them on tomorrow's show. Uh, you can uh, subscribe. Also, if you're listening on any podcast platform, Spotify, Apple, Stitcher, you guys know which one you use. Go hit that subscribe button. That really helps us out. Also, drop us a rating if you want. Uh, and if you're watching this on YouTube, not only subscribe, but hit that bell notification as well. That uh, will let you know the as soon as we have a new video out, whenever it is, you'll be the first to know. Uh, that's going to do it for today's Locked on Predators podcast. Thank you for making us your first listen of the day. We'll be back tomorrow with another all-new episode. We'll see you then.